Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Soaking in the Sunlight. My name is Olivia and I'm a 26 year old in love with Jesus Christ and I want my peers to love Jesus Christ as well. Today, I have a very special first time guest on the podcast today. This is the first interview that I'm having on the podcast um, and I'm really excited to have him on here because he is my pastor at Full Gospel Monument and Faith Church in Newark, New Jersey. And he recently wrote a book called The Making of a God Man, which is now available on Amazon. And it covers a lot of um, the, the things that he went through in life and how God molded him into the man of God that he is today. And so it's really good. Um, I just finished reading it and I highly recommend it for people of all ages, especially for young adults and teens who want to live for God and live a holy life that pleases the Lord. The link for the book will be in the show notes and on my social media apps. With that being said, I would like to welcome Bishop Stacy McQueen. How are you, Bishop? I'm just great. It's great. <laughs> look, I look awesome. forward to this moment where we can discuss the uh, the thing that you're interested in that would help someone else that are listening or viewing, I'm, I'm prepared to share. <laughs> awesome. Beautiful. Okay. So um, I have some questions for you today. Nothing too challenging. Um, and also in relation to the book as well. But the first one that I want to start off is uh, how and when did you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Okay, my first experience in getting to know the Lord as a teenager, I was about uh, a preteen, as a matter of fact, 12 years of age. And then um, I didn't have any guidance or help, but I had a hunger for the Lord. And uh, But no one helped me along during that time. And for the next three or four years, I just drifted from the Lord. At 16 years of age, I totally backslid and, uh, and got a taste of the world. In the world system. I came back to the Lord, gave my life back to the Lord at the age of 23. And uh, since that time, amen, my journey has been awesome. <laughs> amen. Glad to hear that. That's wonderful. So I guess, um, you know, you, you mentioned that you had a taste of the world, you know. Um, what were your major obstacles as a young person in the world before salvation, before you um, accepted Christ when you were tw uh, 23? My major obstacle prior to knowing the Lord as a teenager or uh, between um, as the ages of 12? As, as a young adult, yeah. Okay. Yeah, your major okay. obstacles, yeah. Well, the, my ch the challenges that I had was that I didn't recognize that God was dealing with me and he dealt with me during the backslidden years of my life. Um, and I didn't know what it was. And I would be overwhelmed sometimes by this emotional feeling until I would tear, just cry. And uh, so, and I didn't want to live for the Lord. I just didn't want to get involved in church, period. So what happened, I fought from within. I resisted the enemy. I mean, the, the Lord, I resisted the tugging away of the spirit on my heart. And uh, I find myself indulging in sin uh, in such a way, amen, that uh, it just took me down a rat hole, so to speak, until mm -hmm. I, I was just devastated in sin and, and evil. And uh, I'll tell you more about that later on in the discussion. But as a teenager until I was 23, I haven't backslidden and fell away from God. The challenges were I didn't want to ever drink alcohol because my dad was a weekend drunk and I saw 
what it did to him. And I vowed to myself I would never drink alcohol. But then um, uh, hanging with the wrong with the crowd that did drink, they finally convinced me to do so. And I drank a, a can uh, beer. I took a can of beer and sipped on during the night. And then I said I would never do it again because it made me very sick. But then the next week I tried it. It didn't bother me so. And in a very short while, I became an alcoholic in a couple of years until I had the shakes and I just had to have a drink. But uh, my fight was with the spiritual warfare. God dealing with me, uh, and I didn't understand it, and I wasn't in a church setting that could help me with it. So, uh, And I find myself resisting my emotions, resisting my feelings, what God was doing to me. And it caused me to run, and running away from it, I got deeper and deeper in sin with alcoholism, cigarette smoking, uh, adultery, and um, uh, that I, I got bound by a spirit of lust uh, of the flesh, lust of the flesh, and um, it just took me down a down, down a road that I I would wouldn't want to see anyone go down. Amen. And uh, but for the grace and the mercies of God, I'm here because I could have been cut off in the midst of it all. So as a teenager, uh, I wrestled with. Um, um, looking for a girlfriend, tag, 16, I had a girlfriend, and that was my first love. And the thing that broke my heart, I think that helped to drive me out there too. She, I saw her. I built a whole life in my mind around her at 16. I graduated from school. We were going to get married and have a family. And I was going to start a business. And at a basketball game, I walked up on her in the arms of another young man kissing him broke my heart and I, I vowed I vowed to myself I would never fall in love with a girl again and I cried it really hurt so bad and and I um I think that was some of what drove me away too because I find myself saying that um I said to myself because she hurt me I'm gonna hurt every woman I can get in my hands and I find myself doing just that telling women I loved them and knew I didn't just to just to get next to them, and uh, one of the things that uh, that I did as in the military service, I stationed uh, overseas, and then in Athens, Greece, a young lady, I, I convinced her I was going to marry her and bring her back to the states, and and I told her to go to go home and pack her stuff and be we get the base commander to perform the wedding, and inadvertently. I knew I was going to catch a plane and leave. So I caught the plane. I don't know what happened to that girl, but I, I didn't care because I just wanted to hurt somebody because I was hurt. Yeah. But um, it's kind of like um, I'm told that a lion, if you go into a jungle, and lions really won't chase you so much, but if you injure a lion, shoot him and injure him, he becomes angry, and he will... As long every human, every time he smells a human being, he's going to kill them if he can. And he looks for a human to kill because he takes vengeance on those that wounded him. And that's the way I felt. I wanted to get back at anybody because I was hurt. And um, But it's the wrong thing to do. It's the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, so um, you just shared how, um, you know, you had the struggle where you felt like you needed to get back. 
you know, at woman. And um, I know that there could be people listening now who are struggling with that. They were hurt by someone and now they want to get revenge in their own way. Um, you know, when you got saved, you know, how did God, you know, help you with that, with that healing process with, you know, just changing your mind concerning that? Well, when I got saved, I had a mind to make restitution. I wanted, I wish I could see that girl. I wish I knew where she was so I could tell I was sorry. And, uh, um, but I, I, all of the wrong that I've that I had done in sin while I was a sinner, after I got saved, immediately after I got saved, I wanted to make restitution to all the folks that I hurt. So I, since I couldn't uh, locate them or know where they were or whatever, I find myself praying for them and asking God to forgive me for having done such a thing as I did. But uh, that that was a part of making, letting me know that my life was changed because... Mm-hmm. One other thing I can tell you about, in, in Oklahoma, before I went overseas, a young lady, uh, I, I just turned 21, and a young lady that I was dating, uh, she claimed that I had impregnated her, and, and I got scared, and I she wanted to get married. So I volunteered for overseas service. And um, so when she found out I was going overseas, she was angry and uh and and I told her, well, we'll get married when I get back. I said, because um, if we get married now, I won't see you for 18 months and et cetera, et cetera. And I knew in my heart I wasn't going to marry her, but uh, I told her I would. And then that's one of the incidents. When I came back to this, back to the United States and gave my heart to the Lord, I wanted to see that girl and tell her how I hurt her and I disappointed her. Because while I was overseas, I, we exchanged letters almost every day. Every week, two or three letters back and forth. And what made me, gave me an opportunity to, to break off from her, she wrote me a letter and said that she had gone to a dance. And at that dance, she was dancing with a gentleman that looks, remind me, her so much of me. So that opened the door for me. So I wrote her and told her, well, maybe you should marry him. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and so she wrote me back and said that, uh, well, if I knew you felt that way, I could have saved my stamps. So I, so I wrote her back and said, do you want a reimbursement for your stamps? Goodness. All of this was while I was in sin. But when I got mm-hmm. saved, I wanted to go and apologize to her. In Enid, Oklahoma, and while I was saved, uh, maybe a year or so after I was saved, I went to attended a, a convention in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is only about 90 miles from Enid, Oklahoma. And I had made up my mind, I'm going to go to Enid and, to, and apologize to that girl because I'm saved now. And the Lord spoke to me and said, no, don't go because you don't know what she would do to you. So I just let it go. But I wanted to make a, a restitution there, but the Lord didn't let me do it because I don't know what she would have done to me. I had done to me. So I, I mean, I, I was cold and cruel what I did. And I wanted, I wanted to tell her I'm sorry, but I didn't get an opportunity to because the Holy Ghost didn't allow me to. So there were some of the things that a young person, a teenager that I dealt with and what have you. And all of it uh, point toward the fact I was running from God, mm-hmm. running away from the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, you know, given everything that you went through before the cross, 
after the cross, you know, um, you know, I, I know that life doesn't stop, you know, after the cross, you know, there's still more life to live. Um, so what were some of your major obstacles as a young person in the world after um, salvation? So you got saved and everything. What were some major obstacles that you faced as a Christian? I'm glad you asked that because the, 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 when one gives their hearts to the Lord, um, the things that you did before that were sinful, you don't continue to do because the Bible says that he that is born of God does not knowingly and willingly continue in sin. So we don't practice sin. But um, the temptation to commit those same acts are worse than they were while you were doing it. Because when you were tempted before, you just did it. Mm -hmm. As a sinner, if I were tempted to drink, I just bought my whiskey and drank it. If I was mm -hmm. tempted to, to hurt somebody, I just did it. But now I'm a new creature. And the temptations were there. And because I was bound by a lust demon before I got saved, and thank God, that's another way I knew I was saved. Because I, as a, a young man, and in my sins, in sins, as I say, I, um, I, I lust after women to the extent with my eyes. I would undress a woman with my eyes and just mm -hmm. imagine how she would look. And it, 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 it's an awful feeling, really, because it craves, lust craves to be satisfied. And mm -hmm. if it's not, it'll drive you to do some things that are very dangerous. And inadvertently, um, when I got saved, after I had given my heart to the Lord, um, temptation from women came from every direction. I mean, in the church, in the church, yeah. one girl, one young lady spread the word that I, we would get married. She lived in Jersey City. We would get married. I don't, I know your name, but I don't really know you. And then I get to church. <laughs> oh, I heard you get married. I said, to whom? And Lord, I'm telling you, and then one, another young lady wrote me a letter and uh, said, there is darling, and you can call me anything you want to. I'm not going to call you anything because I'm not your darling. So the, I had, uh, even after I was married, now, that mean, that's really taking up the road, temptations like that from women, et cetera. And, uh, but thanks be to God, his grace is able to keep you from falling. And not mm -hmm. one temptation that I came that came my way that I fell for it. God mm -hmm. kept me as a single young man, and then even now as a married one. Amen, amen. So you you mentioned a key word, uh, temptation. You know, uh, and I know a lot of people face that, and I know there's a lot of temptation out there for um, you know people my age people um, who, you know, are younger than me, a little older than me, you know, for young Christians who, you know, want to live for the Lord and everything, um, what are some ways to fight off those temptations? Some of the things that would fight it off? Yes. Well, what, there's a scripture that says, resist the devil steadfastly and he will free, flee from you. So that you have to have a mindset that I want to please God. I want my life to please him. 
I want my behavior, the way I conduct myself, to please the Lord. And you won't know how to please him unless you study the word and see what he expects and requires of you. And in so doing, the thing that subdues the flesh, and we know we all have five senses, and when we get saved, God does not kill your senses. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you, you, you say, but the senses are still very much alive. Uh, you can mm-hmm. see, you can feel, smell, you can taste, you can hear. And mm-hmm. the eye gate, when you can see, amen, is, it, it can trigger something in the mind. When mm-hmm. you see it, you start thinking about it. And resisting it is to turn away from it. You see, yeah. walk away mm-hmm. from it deliberately on purpose. Um, um, uh, some of the things that, uh, oh, when I was a teenager, uh, just out in the open now, that we did, then in the dark when I was a young man, uh, all this stuff on the social media and on uh, um, uh, the billboards and wherever, man, mm. you know, so it's, it's just out there. And mm. I, I, I was scrolling through Facebook just the other day just two days ago, and looking, I scroll a lot of time, look at, read some of the things that people post, and then uh, scriptural and different things people post, and that scrolling, I saw, I mean, actually, it wasn't that a pornography picture, but it was pornography live on Facebook. I didn't think they would allow that. I, so that that that, that <laughs> I said, whoa, I don't, unbelievable. Uh, so. Normally, you would have to, to me, I would think you would have to get a certain app to get uh, pornography. Mm-hmm. That's right on the regular Facebook. I'm going, whoa, the actual action. I'm going, so uh, the temptation that's there, that's out there now, is much more, much worse than when I was a teenager. And, um, um, and, and, but, and, and mind you, temptation isn't just to youth. That kind of stuff is to seniors and older folks too. You see, yeah. that's why the Bible tells us to put off the old man and his deeds, and put on the new man, which is after the likeness of Christ Jesus. And the way we do that is through fasting and prayer. Mm. The Bible, I mean, the body, the nature, the character, the senses of the body are active. And as you feed, the more you feed them, the more active they are. Mm-hmm. And it can depend upon the type of foods you eat can stimulate the flesh the more. Mm-hmm. There's an old adage that says coffee is a stimulant, and children do not need stimulus because they, they're active enough without drinking coffee. So, <laughs> so that uh, caffeine and stuff can ignite fires in the flesh. And so a lot we can do to keep to stay away from committing sin as a Christian. We, we have to fight it through fasting and prayer. When I say fasting, I'm talking about the Bible way of fasting, not the way some of the modern churches are fasting. Some of the modern churches, they're dieting and calling a fast. And I said, they're not gonna eat meat for two weeks and be fasting, but you're eating everything else. No, you're not fasting. Fasting mm-hmm. is abstinence from food, period. Fasting, you don't take a tic-tac in your mouth, a lifesaver. You don't chew chewing gum. Fasting is abstinence, absolute abstinence from any food at all. 
and for a short period of time, like as much as three days, no food or water. Mm. Now, I have fasted uh, for 30 days, and uh, maybe six, seven years ago, the month of April, I had fasted the entire month with no food, mm-hmm. and because I wanted something more from God, and I just mm-hmm. drank water, and I didn't start drinking water until after the third day. And the purpose of drinking the water is because the toxin in your blood, it may can cause some problems for you. But water will wash all the toxin out of your system, your blood system, whatever, and you'll be comfortable. Otherwise, you have severe headaches and backaches and whatever else because of the toxin from the food you had been eating. So water will keep your kidneys clean and what have you. I And after eight or nine days of fasting, I didn't have even an appetite for food. Mm-hmm. No taste. Or some, it didn't excite me at all because all of the senses were subdued. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not encouraging anybody, anyone, unless the Lord leads you to, to go on a 30-day fast. But any like today, for instance, I fasted the day just till three o'clock because I'm hallelujah. I'm ministering tomorrow, and mm-hmm. I want to be equipped, amen, spiritually to minister effectively to the congregation. So fasting is key to subdue the flesh. Fasting. I did it a lot when I was single. I did it a lot more when I was single than I do now because it kept me. Uh, uh, in the will of the Lord and kept the flesh down. The thing that you feed the most is going to be the strongest. Mm. If you feed the flesh the most, it's going to be the strongest. It's going to win the battles. If you Mm. feed the spirit more, it's going to win. So you feed the spirit through fasting and prayer and Mm. reading the word. Amen. Um, no, that's all really good for our listeners out there. Um, you know, uh, Bishop just shared a lot of things concerning, uh, you know, fasting and prayer and reading our Bible. Um, so that can really help when we face different obstacles in life, when, you know, uh, uh, we're trying to fight off the flesh and everything. So, um, you know, thank you, Bishop, for sharing that. Um, because I'm sure that will help a lot of people, including me. <laughs> um, the other thing that I wanted to kind of shift um, in the conversation, um, you know, in your book, you talked about um, having a call of God, a calling of God um, on your life, you know, and I, I wanted to ask you, you know, because some of our listeners may not know what that means. So what does it mean to have a calling of God on your life? What does it mean to have the call of God? On your life, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I can only answer that by what I've experienced myself. Um, the, first of all, man, human being, a man or a woman, the human beings are trichotomy. We have body, soul, and spirit. And God deals with us not through the flesh, but through the spirit. And man, of the three parts of the trichotomy, spirit is the real person. Um, and, and the soul does not feed the spirit. The spirit feeds the soul. And the body tries to interfere with both of them. So that's why we got to fast. So, but um, um, God will deal with you. And the soul consists of your consciousness. 
That's a part of your soul. And God deals with us through our conscience. Um, he speaks to us through our conscience. Um, and um, I recall when, after I had gotten saved, and I was excited about being saved, but I did not want to preach. And because different one time, you're going to preach as a nun, and that's not for me. But I was excited about living for the Lord. And while riding a bus in the city of Newark, looking for a job, I'd just gotten out of the military service. I had not read this in the Bible, but in my conscience, I heard the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. And it kept ringing in my head. And I got home, I asked my mother, because she was saved. I said, Mom, is this in the Bible? And I told her what I heard. And my mother started speaking in tongues. I said, oh, no, that's not for me. No, I'm not preaching, I'm not <laughs> preaching. So if God, there, there are a, a variety of callers. Everybody's not called to preach. But all of us are called to be a witness for the Lord. And Amen. there are different avenues of doing that. As a matter of fact, you, with this podcast, that's a way of witnessing to others. So God has avenues, the avenues that we can follow to do the will of the Lord. The thing that's pressing you most in your spirit, you can know that's God. The devil will never tell you to do nothing good or to do nothing godly. So when you are pressed in your heart, in your spirit, to do a good deed, even as much as uh, a telephone ministry, calling people, you feel that I must call people and talk to them and pray for them and encourage them. That's a ministry. So you recognize the call of God by the tugging of your spirit and your consciousness that this, I have to do something about it. If you resist it because of whatever the reasons you may have, you're too busy, you try to put it off and say, well, I'll do it later because I got to do this and the other. You're going to really get in a real wrangle and fight with the Lord because you're not going to win. That one, you're not going to win. As sure <laughs> as you love the Lord, you're not going to win that one. Okay? So I know by experience. Amen. Amen. Yeah, no, I wanted to ask that because I know a lot of people, you know, maybe listening, they want to know uh, what God wants them to do in life. And so I wanted you to explain a bit more about the calling of God you know, um, on your life. And so, um, uh, you answered this, uh, you know, around the time when you knew that God had a calling on your life, but, um, just to kind of shift again, you know, how did you develop your walk with the Lord throughout the years? I run that by me again. Yes. Um, how did you develop your walk with the Lord throughout the years, you know, cultivating okay. your relationship with God? Short answer, consistent prayer, praying without ceasing. Um, and, I, and I mean that in this, I can't say that more forcefully, praying without ceasing. Not praying when you go to bed and say, thank you for keeping me another day. I'm talking about praying all during the day. Uh, and any time I felt a consciousness to, to pray, I would stop even if I was at someone's home and it came into my thoughts, you should pray. I would ask to use the bathroom and they'd let me go. 
more than once this happened with me. And I would go to the bathroom and I would pray quietly. And I didn't yell out, but from my heart, I would cry out to God. And then I would flush the toilet and make the folk think I used the toilet. I didn't go to use the toilet. I went to pray. But following the leading of the Spirit to pray. Prayer is a line of communication. Oh, hallelujah. Let me, let me, let me put it into some modern languages. Modern language. Before there was internet. Before there was uh, Zoom. Before there was a podcast, folk were talking to God without any lines at all. Mm. We we amazed sometimes. I said, "We we we don't have we don't have a landline phone. You don't need, we got a phone number. You don't need a landline." But God didn't never have a, have a landline. You can do it directly to Him, Amen. <laughs> Between here and a matter of fact, distance that even internet don't travel all the way from Earth to glory. You can talk to God. Hallelujah. And he welcomed us to do that. As a matter of fact, he asked us to do that. He said, man, I'll always to pray and not to faint. And that was the key to my spiritual success. Um, I, from the time I got saved, I spent, uh, I walk in the church and I go straight to the altar. I, I greet people and on my way to the altar and stay down there and pray and cry out to God. Days when I was home, when I wasn't working, I'd go to the church and get, they had a prayer room. Go in the prayer room and spend hours in there praying, talking to God. Amen. Wanting to know him, hungering for him. Because the Bible says, he that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. And I had a real hunger for the Lord. So I hungered for him in a way, amen, that made me pray the more, cry out to him the more. Prayer, what prayer does, it, um, it's communication with the Lord. You commune with him. When you pray and you talk to him, you make a request known, and you pray for others as well, and intercede for others, but then waiting in his presence, meditating, and let him speak to you. Anyone that you spend time with, you get to know better. And if you don't spend times in prayer with God, you're not going to know him very well. Mm. Amen. Hi, everyone. This wraps up the first uh, part of my conversation with Bishop. And I got to tell you, I am blessed and encouraged by listening to this audio all over again. Um, and so he shared a lot to help us grow in our faith in the Lord. Um, and I pray that it helps you out there. You know, and I pray that his testimony helps anyone who's listening. And um, yeah, please stay tuned for the next part, part two of uh, my conversation with Bishop Stacy McQueen. And uh, I'll leave in the show notes uh, his link for his book, uh, The Making of a God Man. Um, it's on Amazon where you can make your purchase. So um, I pray that you have an awesome day. Remember to be encouraged and stay encouraged and to always soak in the sunlight because Jesus is the light. See y'all next week. Love y'all. Bye.